Hello and welcome to another episode of Stalking Carpenter, Story Screen's retrospective podcast where we tackle the directed movies in somewhat chronological uh, chronological order. Uh, all from artist mastermind John Carpenter. Uh, my name is Robbie Anderson. I'm joined by what's his name? I'm I'm Mike Birch. Mike Birch. Uh, hey, I, Mike. I, I am Mike Birch. How you doing, bud? Oh, you know, I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Dark Star and the Fog. Uh, Dark Star being John Carpenter's student film that later turned into a his first. I mean, it's his first movie that started off as a short and then got turned into like a bigger thing. Totally. And then uh, we're also talking about uh, the Fog, which came out in 1980, which came out after uh, Halloween. Indeed, it did. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I guess, uh, where do you want to jump off with this? You want to talk about Dark Star first? Uh, sure. I mean, these are, we put these guys together, you know, because it's kind of like, you know, the first episode doing Assault on Precinct 13 and Halloween, it was such a good idea because it's kind of a little bit of the action that makes Carpenter so special and, you know, the thing he's known for the most, which is horror. (laughs) But, you know, as we start getting into things like, um... Big Trouble in Little China, Escape from New York. You know, we see that he does have this kind of action sensibility. Um, So kind of like putting those two together seems good. And so that made us kind of skip Dark Star, uh, which is very good too, because now we kind of can go into a little bit of the sci-fi stuff that also Carpenter becomes well known for. And The Fog is just kind of a continuation of this very kind of low budget studio level uh, horror movies that he was making um, right before the gigantic blow up of, you know, The Thing and Escape from New York and like his kind of massive run in the 80s with all of these different types of genre movies and really starting to get a name for himself. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Dark Star is just is a really fucking good movie. Um, it's uh, very charming, you know, because it's 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 very uh, it's obvious that it was uh, made very cheaply and yes. over the course of a, a long amount of time it's it's pretty much it started out as a short film that um john carpenter and dan o'bannon of you know alien and total recall fame uh they made this thing together and they made it into kind of i think it was like a 40 minute uh short and then they went back to it and got some money to make it even longer and then the producers that gave them the money wanted them to take certain things out so then they had to go back again with like a 35 millimeter camera shoot a couple more things to kind of <coughs> lengthen it up to like a good uh to a good full feature length film and got like a theatrical release and people were kind of like okay sure and then it's really one of those movies that when home video came out in the 80s And again, with DVD in uh, the late 90s and early aughts, it was kind of like became this cult classic. And it started getting different cuts and different rewrites and different things like that. Um, But at the end of the day, uh, I always look at Dark Star as like this kind of very humble movie of just like 
super creative, very original, uh, very genre-oriented, but also does not take itself too seriously, even though it is kind of dealing from time to time with, like, very serious ideas. Um, and I, uh, my backstory with it is I had seen um, the elevator sequence from Dark Star, because uh, we watched the elevator sequence, the elevator shaft, and, like, the lead-up of, like, chasing the beach ball monster <laughs> and yes. everything like that. Because um, they showed that in my editing class uh, when I was studying film at DCC. And that was the only part of Dark Star I'd ever seen. And I finally got to sit down and watch the entire thing for this. And uh, I gotta tell you, uh, John Carpenter is, like, a really good director. Like, it's... Even, like, with the constraints of the budget and stuff like this and, like, the very small crew and unprofessional, to a certain extent, actors and sets and stuff like that that he has, um, it's a fully realized uh, world, uh, you know, it's concept to execution 101 that it's like yeah you can see everything's kind of cheap but it's also like that kind of adds to the the flavor that makes it so tasty what, what were your thoughts on like because I, I don't think you had ever even heard of dark star no. until i brought it up before the first episode and you were like what's that i had i had no idea what what this movie was getting into it um but yeah i mean like the things that stood out to me as i was watching it uh you know it, it's like the the coolest student film like ever made or like probably one of the coolest student films ever made like the fact that, like that's how it's because that's how it's pitched like it's john carpenter's student film like that's what the thing is and like mm-hmm. you know the sets look incredible the lighting is great you know he's pulling the best he can out of you know i, I think at the time they're either non-actors or you know potentially starting out like mm-hmm. you know i mean one of them is dan o'bannon and he is not an actor yeah you know, so, so like, it's they're like, doing they're doing the best they can. You know, the, the things about it that don't necessarily work for me is like the humor doesn't land for me a hundred percent, and I do think the plot is like a little hard to follow at times. But like overall, forgivable things. You know, like it, like yeah. it, I, I what worked for me and what like was was interesting for me to see is like the things they're doing with all practical effects, how good it looks, how you do feel like you're on this space station, how this predates so much sci-fi that you know later defines the genre that this kind of feels genre defining in its own way uh and how you know it making this world that's fully realized that's in space that's on the space station but they still have a lot of fun like doing but they decide to do it as a comedy that they got that's great and or like they find really cool ways to do juxtaposition with like music and what's happening and like it's very it's very cool it's very cool high concept sci-fi which you don't usually see from someone's freshman run you know Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, when I started watching it, I was kind of like, you know, I had this vague memory of that elevator scene in my head of what Dark Star was. And yeah. the first like 15 minutes of this movie, I'm like, yep, that's the movie I remember. But as it gets into it, you kind of start realizing how lighthearted this movie is and how it's really just kind of like it's this it's this thing of like um, it's it's not taking itself that seriously. But the craft that's obviously going into this is very serious. And they are like. We want to make this look really cool, even though the things that we're showing you are not really all of that, all that interesting or even that serious. And I think like, you know, the plot problems that you're talking about are most definitely there. And I think that they are just like, that's uh, the movie is a victim of, of the reshoots and everything where it's like, you can kind of see there's three episodes of like 
TV. There's like just three set pieces. There's here's the introduction to this world and these characters and how they talk to each other. Then there's the whole monster escape, elevator shaft, monster hunt down thing. And then there's the ending with the bomb AI kind of like this kind of uh, talk between the phenomenology existential crisis of yes everything. which yeah. i think is the most interesting part of the movie that stuff and is I, cool yeah i do really like that they don't layer all of these things out throughout there they layer out the character things like dude wants to surf one last time and it ends with like you know that's that's a moment at the end of the movie where i want to stand up and cheer in my own living room when yeah. he starts surfing down to burn up in the atmosphere it's, cool. it's, it's cool. just like this is fucking cool like this yeah. is a movie i wish there are movies that they remake because they're classics and they want to make money off the nostalgia dark star is a perfect example I would of a movie that you could movie. remake and you could you could do it pretty much beat for beat the entire thing flesh things out here flesh things out there get some better actors get some better visual effects that are up to date and you could make yourself one kick-ass fucking like comedy sci-fi movie i mean isn't that kind of like the the age-old discussion around like student films like if they had the resources that bigger budgeted movies have would they be just as good if not better than some of the big, but like more big budget movies, you know, like I, yeah. but I do think, you know, a lot of this movie's charm does come from its, its issues. You know, it does come from its like imperfections. It, it wears those imperfections on its sleeve. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's not as it should. It's, it's very unpretentious. It's not trying to be anything other than it is, which is a goofball kind of story set in kind of like a 2001 space odyssey post yeah. landscape. You know? I mean, like it's, kind of, it's like a stoner space opera, which is yeah. like, that's cool. Like, I'm, in, I'm into it's that. It's very yeah. cool, yeah. I was, I was very shocked to it, not only enjoy it as much as I... Th- as as much as I didn't think that I would, yeah. but to actually kind of walk away from it and be like, that's one of Carpenter's most interesting movies that I that I've seen. Like it's it's a very very fun movie to watch, but also to like really think about and consider and be like, what were they going for? What were they doing? Where was their mind space at? Well, I mean, thinking about it as like the the genome of like the the Carpenter DNA for so many of his movies, and like you know, I'm I'm very much like. A, new on this ride with carpenter flicks i i admittedly we're doing this kind of because i haven't seen a lot of them so i'm kind of on this journey as as new eyes but like you know seeing you know single location uh ensemble cast funny dialogue good color like you know and like even like on a technical level like all that stuff that he kind of starts using and building upon forever i actually think you know the fog is is him really starting to do different stuff um but like you know, it's still all you can you can trace everything back to Dark Star for sure. Absolutely, it's yeah, cool. it's a fucking cool movie. Like it's it's just one of those movies that's just cool. Like it's it's a yeah, it's a cool idea. It's it's pretty funny. I mean, the fact that they make the alien a beach ball just so that they can have the punchline of when he shoots it with a yeah, with a train like gun a that it cushion. that it flies around. Like, and they're just like. They do it because, like, a beach ball is cheap to make look like a monster, and they come up with the physics of, like, where the hands are, where the mouth is, how it moves, and it's just like, this is fucking cool. Like, this is a neat idea. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of practical effects, but there's a lot of, like, practical understanding. It's what you said in the top, where it's, like, it's a fully realized world. Like, the space station feels like it has a bunch of nooks and crannies. I was very impressed by the scene where, uh... He, he's holding on to that like cargo load and he's like descending from it and it's like moving down up and down the hallway and I'm like yeah. you know that's obviously like on like a flat surface and they're making it look like it's a, like a vertical surface but sure. yeah. that's really cool and like it's I don't good know tricks. it's good yeah exactly and it's like stuff where you know it, it should be you should show every 
like beginning filmmaker this stuff because it's like yo if they did this in you know 1970 1974 if you can do that in 1974 you can surely do it now yeah it's yeah one it's like the age-old thing if we're talking about student like we're if we're talking about this movie as kind of a springboard to talk about like student films or just like very to the absolute definition of the word independent films yeah we live in a time now where it's like everybody has like a 1080p, if not more, HD camera in their pocket for the most part. And yeah. it's like this is one of those things where it's like if you you now have access to technology that like I didn't have when I was like 14 years old and I wanted to be a filmmaker. I had to go out and buy like a JVC bullshit camera that I ended up like tipping over a canoe shooting something and it sank to the bottom of the the lake at my camp when I was trying to make like my first film. And I was just like, well, that's a waste of all of that money. Yeah. But I don't care. My parents got it for me. (laughs) But they did not get me another one ever again. That really fucked me. Uh, That would do it. But it really is like, you know, it's all about the craft and it's the craft is these tricks and these, you you need to, it's only knowing uh, how a movie is made can only take you so far. And that's why student films and independent films are so good for aspiring filmmakers because it puts you in situations where you're going to learn something new from every single scene that you shoot. And it's going to teach you lessons that you're going to need to be able to create better and better and better art that's eventually going to get you either noticed, recognized, and picked up to make a bigger thing. Or if you just happen to start making a bigger thing due to luck or any other circumstances, you now have all of this experience that you've given yourself. It's it's the goodwill hunting of film school. Uh, you don't have to pay a shit ton of money to get a degree in art. It helps. And if you can do it and you think that that's the best way you can do it, by all means. But there are plenty of books, videos, people out there that you could talk to that will really teach you uh, how to do everything. Tarantino's big line. I didn't go to film school. I went to films. Yeah. The more movies you watch, the more tricks you pick up, the more you kind of start to figure out like how editing works, how lighting works, sound, cutting, all of these different things. And Dark Star is like a perfect example of like, these guys had a good eye. They knew what the fuck they wanted to do and they figured out how to do it. And it's both entertaining and fun. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a, it's an art form that really rewards you for doing the thing. And, uh, and the, and doing the thing is always the hardest part, but like, you know, the more you do the thing, the more you make movies that you think might be shit or, or otherwise, the more things you're going to learn to be able to, to make something that's really cool and we'll make a splash and that's how you get recognized and seen to do things. You know, I think that like, uh, you know, everyone's making student films with like Vine and TikTok, you know, like, and like the tricks that people do with those applications, like to make them like funnier or elevated or things like that. Like, you know, that we have a bunch of, we have like hundreds, if not millions of little filmmakers now starting at younger and younger ages and it's and it's cool and that means you have to do more to kind of be seen and be recognized but people are innovating all the time um and i'm sure people who you know learn how to do funky editing tricks with their vines or tiktoks like you know you can bring that knowledge to like core filmmaking easily i mean you know bo bo burnham uh started out with like vine and like short youtube videos and stuff and the guy made one of the best movies of the decade Mm -hmm. exactly uh another thing too uh on vine because i've been recently diving back into vine compilation videos because they they bring me peace yeah they make you feel Um, good they make me feel so fucking good uh Mm -hmm. i gotta tell you like the the cutting out 
audio and video about half a second earlier than the end of the actual execution of what you're doing is just as significant to this new age of comedy as like, you know, the idea of like pairing up like Abbott and Costello way back when, or, you know, like uh, the pratfalls and stunt work of um, uh, Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin. Like it's, it's like a technique that you think is, 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 there in every every good vine and TikTok that yeah, you see. Yeah, it works every time. But you don't even consider it until you realize like, oh, that's a, a thing that they did on purpose to make it seem like it's just cutting out and it's just a slice of reality. And it's just so fucking funny to abruptly just like stop. I mean, good storytelling, especially in like a screenwriting sense, is is getting into a scene late and leaving a scene early. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what that is. You know, the cutout, like, you know, you're it's like you're getting like an injection of life. Yeah, yes. you're just seeing that thing instantly, mm-hmm. and and it speaks to our the the culture of kids nowadays, where they they get mm-hmm. things very instantly. I don't mean that in a pejorative sense. I think that's no, yeah, the future. Yeah. That's just the way that it is. Things mm-hmm. are quicker and accessible now. I think I talked to you about this a long time ago. Maybe not. Uh, are you familiar with five second films? I've seen a few of them. They are yeah. hilarious. So that's yeah. like, it predates Vine. And mm-hmm. it was these guys that would just do five second uh, stories. It was on uh, Cracked, right? Or Cracked had a compilation of it. They had a compilation of it. They had like their own site. And every yeah. day, every Monday through Friday, they would upload a new five second film. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had like this kind of revolving door of actors and all these different things. And they were always so much fun to watch because it's just like, oh, this is great. This looks like easy to do, but it's not. It's kind of that thing where it's like you can present this really niche idea of art and go, well, it's easy to just do that, right? I, I could have done that. And it's like, yeah, but you didn't. And if you tried, you're going to see like there's a lot more to it than just like pointing a camera at something for five seconds and having people say some words that you wrote. Like you got to make it look good. Yeah. You have to structure it correctly so that the eyes follow everything even though you're moving so fast. They did this great uh, series called Bummer Week where they each they, they each of like the main filmmakers made a five second film that was all about like being it was to try and bum you out within five seconds. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's got like one of the best ones I always think back to. It's one of the greatest things I've ever seen committed to uh, film in that sense is uh, the, on the bummer week. One of them is just like it's a video of a of a of an old dog uh, climbing up some steps very slowly cuts back to the owner at the top looking down cuts back to the dog still being slow cuts back to the owners going she's getting old and that's it and And it's just like and that's the video and you're just like that is one two one bam that's it done it's good yeah i mean we were uh in our halloween video that we did when we were talking about uh like how tension is built and you know talking about uh Alfred Hitchcock, like how he builds tension, like he he does tension building in in a vine. Essentially, he's like, "There's a bomb here, and we know there's a bomb there, and now these people are having a conversation over the bomb, and they don't know the bomb is there. So now we, the audience, are scared, and that's and that is a vine. That's five seconds. That's just like there's a bomb under the table. That's the funny thing. How are we going to make this work? You know, exactly. Yeah, it can be attributed to any genre. It doesn't have. It, yeah. It's a it's a metaphorical bomb. It's not a real bomb. Sure. Uh, when you're using it correctly, it can be a real bomb, but you know, it's it's just having something in. It's the elephant in the room that yeah. we're aware of, and you worded it perfectly in the Halloween video. Not to pat ourselves on the back, but just like with um with Linda's death, where with uh with Michael Myers underneath the sheets, and she thinks that he's Bob, and it's yeah. like we, the audience, understand that that is not Bob. 
So we start the place, we start the scene at a very higher tension than Linda and the entertaining value and uh, additional tension comes to the scene as Linda slowly meets us mm-hmm. in tension as she slowly starts seeing things and learning and gets to the same point until we get that nice sweet release of getting a little phone cord kill. Exactly. Love it. Love it. It's good stuff. You know, uh, Love Dark Star, I would highly recommend it to anybody to check out. It's a brisk 83 minutes. Uh, yeah, true. Definitely worth it. A uh, lot of fun. Um, definitely something that I would be con- I would consider screening at the theater in the future. Uh, I think it's like perfect yeah. for like a public like kind of screening like that. I think people would tune into it. It's cool. I would love to see it on the big screen. It looks, it really does. It looks so cool. <laughs> it, it pops. It pops, yeah. man. Yeah. Um, moving on to the fog. Le fog. Uh, le fog. Uh, Burge, what's your, how many times have you seen the fog? What, are, what number is this for you? <clears throat> I fucking love this movie. Uh, I've seen this movie a lot. I used to watch this movie at camp uh, when we finally upgraded from just like tents and a pop-up to an actual full-on trailer. The trailer had a TV and a VCR in it, and I was only allowed to use it uh, like once every like couple of days. Like, Because sometimes we would just go camping for two days, and they're like, you can use the VCR once. And if we went camping for like a week or something like that, they're like, you can use it maybe twice, maybe three times. Or they would just be like, go in there while me and all of uh, my friends get drunk. And because I think about now, it's like I'm older than my parents were when they were raising me and like taking me to camp and stuff like that. And they're just like, they're just getting shit faced. Like out by the fire, and they're That's just like all grown up hangouts are. Yeah, just yeah. like go in there and watch Willow for the hundredth time, you fucking annoying thing. Like that. Mm-hmm. So I used to. Th- there was all these uh, VHS tapes of um, uh, like um, uh, Adventures of uh, Nemo in Dreamland, uh, Willow, Legend, all these kids movies, but up above where they didn't think i knew where they were was vhs tapes of horror movies and like more dramas and stuff that's the first place like i saw the piano uh the piano um uh, nightmare on elm street uh dream warriors like there was a lot of cool stuff up there and uh the fog was one of them and i used to go in and they would think i was watching legend or something and i would just put on the fog and if somebody came in i would just like pause it or like just turn it off and just be like, oh, I'm like making popcorn or something. And I would be very sneaky. I now realize they definitely knew that I was watching that because my, yeah. my parents brought it up to me. It's like, oh, yeah, when you would sneak in and think that you were watching horror movies. Like, dude, you were like eight years old. Like, you yeah. think you were getting it over on us? Come on, man. Yeah, um, but I would watch The Fog countlessly, uh, endlessly. It was It's one of my favorite ghost movies. Uh, I think it's really interesting in that way that it's John Carpenter kind of taking his genre aesthetic uh, from Assault and Precinct 13 to action movies, Halloween to serial killer movies, and now The Fog to ghost movies. And mm-hmm. uh, ghost ghost movies like paranormal, poltergeisty type movies are a genre unto themselves that wouldn't really hit it big until like the late 90s, uh, early aughts, like when we started getting stuff like Blair Witch Project and Paranormal Activity, like when ghosts, uh, uh, The Grudge, when ghosts became like this this hot commodity. And so, mm. you know, in 1978, I believe, no, uh, 1980, um, 
1980, like the fog is just like, it's kind of hitting in this spot where slasher movies and Jason movies and all of that stuff are really at their, their peak and they're coming out and they're really starting to like get big. And he's kind of taking this ghost story and kind of putting those attributes of like the, the, the gruesome kills, which this movie has like some actual like squirmy kills uh, that you really don't see coming based on the movie's general mood. Like when you just start seeing people like just like stabbing repeatedly in the head with like an ice pick or yeah yeah no that stuff is, is gross <laughs> yeah no, I, I i love the fog um it's one of my favorite movies to revisit and watch i think the structure of it's great i love the cast uh i love the ending how it kind of ends on this really fun like kind of like forgiveness is something that we can all learn to forgive ourselves and to forgive others that have wronged us and then they're just like ah nah the the pirate came back and killed him anyway like it's 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 fun shit yeah. uh that i always love going back to what did you like this was again i think all of them from here on out are ones that they're gonna be my first time yeah yeah Um, what what did you think of it i was really impressed by like the color palette of the movie Mm -mm. uh i thought just like visually it was it was a joy to watch and like i loved how like aggressive uh shadows were used especially in the beginning but i also just love like the way the way that color is used in the movie this is this is a movie i guarantee roger deacon's if you brought it up to him, he would be like, oh, yeah. Oh, the fog? Yes. Like, silhouettes, <laughs> odd, odd, sharp primary colors. Mm, that's my it's, bread it's and a, butter. It's aggressive in its, like, visual cues, and I really like that about it. And I really like the setting. Um, I like how the, uh, the um, what's the name? What, what's the name of, like, what's, like, the surname of the fog creatures? The Blakes? The Blake crew? Or no? The The creatures? Yeah, don't aren't they like? Do they have like a name, or are they just like remnants? Uh, I mean, they are like what is it? It's like uh, it's like Cap- like Captain Williams, or am I thinking of? Because I also did a bunch of reading on the remake from two thousand five, so a lot. I of heard my that. Sh- I heard that's bad. It is stupid. Um, yeah, no, the captain's Blake. Uh, so I think that, like, yeah, it's, like, Blake's crew, Blake's men, yeah. uh, they were on, like, you know, the, the something-something dune or whatever, uh. Um, anyway, I like them aesthetically, I think they're cool being, like, kind of gross, uh, they remind me of, of, like, the Pirates of the Caribbean monsters, I wouldn't be surprised I if was, they were inspired by that. Uh, I was quoting Pirates of the Caribbean a lot through the rewatch, and Diana did not You must start believing in ghost stories, Mr. Turner. You're in one! Uh, the moonlight shows us for what we really are. I I thought the like the plot of the movie I, I was into. I thought it worked. I liked the like meta narrative, uh, kind of trying to repeat itself, and them having to kind of pay homage or or not pay homage or like pay respects because the priest had this gold. Um, I don't think it's like as strong plot wise as Halloween, but I do really no. like the aesthetics of it. Yeah, way there's, more. There's know? a sh- there's a schlockiness to this that Carpenter himself was even aware of. That he's kind of gone on the record and said this is one of his less lesser films in his opinion. Because yeah, he had you to know, do a lot of reshoots to make the mm-hmm. the narrative kind of like work the way it does. And like yeah. that that scene in the beginning where they're telling the story to the kids really is kind of like the you need the saving grace of of the plot for sure. And I know yeah, that you, that kind of was shot last. I you absolutely need it, and. Uh, it's just very, I think the movie is just like very, again, uh, originality is something that kind of comes out of it. That it's like, yeah. it's something that we've seen, like, you know, it's like a zombie-esque kind of, you know, ha- a haunting. 
Uh, I but you know he's and he's using fog and mist in this kind of uh, paranormal way, which is not a brand new thing. They've been doing that for decades at that point. But he but just does really, it so well. He though. does it so well. Yeah, he like just, you know when the mist like comes in and it's everything that has like that's made of glass has to shatter or like yeah. them doing like funny ghost stuff like you know them yeah, like fucking with everything doing, they're doing they're funny, funny ghost, ghost stuff. stuff yeah and, I, and i'm into it every time i'm like oh yeah they're coming they're doing the thing and it works yeah. or even like you know I, there's some like potentially homages to halloween when like they have like the fog outside the uh, there's a there's a scene with jamie lee curtis where she's inside and there's like a big tall silhouetted figure outside knocking on the door and it like it looks like it's michael myers like there and i'm just like i wonder if he like did that on purpose or just like you know the the physicality of these monsters is just similar i don't know but mm-hmm. but yeah it, it all it all works it's a cool story um i wasn't as enamored with this with the story but i i really did like the ensemble characters i thought all the characters were like likable and interesting if anything i i I was surprised when the movie only had a half hour left. I was like, "Oh, I I, I could have spent more time I, with I these people." I love that. Yeah, it's, it's good. Like, it's good. The yeah. initial attack doesn't happen until there's only twenty five minutes left of the movie, and you're like, "Cool, that's uh, that's cool. I like." But that. they they spend their time well because everything's like pretty interesting leading up to it. Uh, yeah. I really you know I really like the the radio show host uh, lady in the tower. A- Adrian um, Adrian Barbeau man uh, got the hots for her when I was younger. She got a good voice. She got yeah. a voice for radio and a face mm-hmm. for movies. Um, and it's good stuff. Yeah, and yeah, uh, cool. it, we got Annie from uh, Halloween's in there. Yeah, they got uh, yeah they got Annie and and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis in here, and well, mm-hmm. even uh, the guy who plays Michael Myers is in the movie too, right? Nick Castle. Yeah, he's in he's in the flick. You are one hundred percent correct. Yeah. Um. The uh. The guy also the uh the weatherman uh who is in both Assault on Precinct Thirteen, uh and uh Halloween. Is he the cop in halloween? no uh he's the the weatherman in is in the weatherman he's the he's the cop in halloween okay, and he's like okay. the he's like the main prison guard like uh transporting them in assault on precinct 13 and nancy loomis is also in assault on precinct 13 she's the other girl that dies early oh. uh remember like the one i didn't really like, she was in assault on precinct 13 that's she's funny. very small and she doesn't look the same like because she kind of drastically changes how she looks uh between yeah. those two movies uh for some reason uh, I think it's cool that um, Chris Evans inherited the sweater from the Weatherman uh, for Knives Out from this movie. Mm-hmm. It's, it's nice that they that they gave it to him after. <laughs> it's you know it's the way to do it. It's, yeah, uh, it's I think the that's only cool. thing you can do. Um, and uh, I'm just kind of looking through this like cast list right now, and there's just like John Carpenter is uncredited, but he is he's Bennett in the beginning the of the movie. Beginning of the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was like, that's John Carpenter, isn't it? Uh, Darwin Justin is the uh, the mortician, the doctor, and uh, that's like this guy looks like he's been under the water for a month. That's See, the that, and that stuff is really cool. Like that mystery of just like how really did they cool. die this way, and, yeah. and it's stuff like that where I'm like, I could. Did you and did you recognize that, that actor? That's the that's no. the that's the main inmate from Assault on Precinct. Oh wait, 13. no, I did. Yeah, right, 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 I did. Yeah. I did recognize. Yes, yeah. It's uh, it's really cool, man. Especially in these earlier movies, he uses um a lot of the same people. Jamie Lee Curtis obviously Got coming back in. Yeah, uh, no, he has he has a crew and a posse, and it works. But it's cool, you know. What I really another thing I like about the the fog in in comparison to his other movies, you know, like Dark Star is a single location in space, and then he moves on to Assault Precinct Thirteen, single location, uh, this this action movie, and then he starts to expand to the neighborhood, and now he's expanded to a town, and now mm-hmm. soon we're gonna be getting to like a city. So it, it's kind of like interesting how his like 
plot devices like get bigger and bigger. I think as he becomes better at making movies or becomes maybe more sure of himself making things, yeah. more realistically get and in a comes, budget. And then he comes right back to uh, isolation with the thing again. Exactly. Where he's and just it's, like, it's cool. <laughs> uh yeah and this movie's cool because it's like it, it's him i'd imagine he has a, a budget for this movie or a little bit bigger of a budget than he did with other flicks because oh, it has, has more set pieces it looks cooler he has more actors it's cool like seeing more carpenter written characters have more screen time and time to breathe and like talk to each other mm-hmm. um you know he's really good I, I don't know if people talk about it enough but he's really good at like writing dialogue Mm-hmm. You know, like his dialogue, you can, I, I could, I feel like it comes from the page and it's really, it's really good. I mean, yeah, this guy, this bad boy was made for a million dollars, uh, mm. and brought in over $21 million. Damn. Uh, that's, oh, that's yeah. a good, that's a good multiplier for those days, man. People like those. Yeah. <laughs> Studio is going to be into that. Uh, it's got a really good tagline. It is night. It is cold. It is coming. Mm-hmm. The fog. It's good. And it's got a, what you can't see won't hurt you. It'll kill you. Ooh. Uh, 100 years ago, it moved across a small town, creating a terror no human being should ever live to see again. Now, it has returned. Oh, this one's good. Lock your doors, bolt your windows, there's something in the fog. That's not in the fog. Which I'm sure that's exactly how they meant for that tagline to be read. To be said? I think so. Lock your doors, bolt your windows... That's something in a fog. Um, yeah, I like. I thought the ending was cool too. I do. I do wish we had more. Again, I. I think I just wish like the ending was a little bit longer because I would have liked to totally have them live in like the realization of them putting like the previous hundred year story and what's happening now together. Like it happens like very quickly, yeah, and yeah. I, I wish we just got to see that happen for a little bit yeah. longer. There, there's a lot but, of like there's a there's a lot of plot books and plot windows that are just kind of like. Yeah, all right. It but, works. You know, it makes it works. the story make sense. Yeah. But like, you it's, know, it, it's, it's you know, cool. So that's yeah. why I want to see more of it. When when you start looking at something, I'm always hesitant to be like, you know, what would make this better if it was different? That's yeah. always the thing where I'm kind of like, that's their call to make, though. And like, sure. it's good as it is. And in hindsight, I can play like I can backseat direct all I want to. And it's it's good to be like, I think that this would have been tighter and I would have liked to have seen this more. But you can also kind of see where they were coming from, especially knowing like the troubles that Carpenter was having towards the end of trying to like yeah. piece this plot together where he's just like, ah, shit, I need this book that's going to at least <laughs> tell Explain them everything. the thing. And that, and that totally works. And I yeah. think, you know, for it being kind of like, you know, a pulpy ghost story it does that all very well mm-hmm. i mean it's it's cool because it's like you know you take assaults on precinct 13 and halloween these are two genre movies that john carpenter seems to really take seriously and treats them seriously and and gives us one of the best examples of each of those genres and then in dark yeah. star and the fog it's kind of he's taking these like well-known genres sci-fi and a ghost story mm-hmm. and he's kind of having fun with it and he's not taking them as seriously and just being like well wouldn't it be cool if we did this and you know wouldn't it be cool if we did that more so comedic with dark star but you know with um with the fog it really is like there is it's a goofy concept or it's like pirates pirates oh yeah it's not treated like super i mean it's a it's it's set up at least you know by its final cut to be yeah. it's a ghost story told to children that yeah. becomes real life yeah and that's a, and that all works that's all good yeah there's a sincerity there but that doesn't sincerity does not equal seriousness like it's it's 
there he he really does want to tell this story and he wants to tell it in the way that he thinks is going to be communicative and entertaining but also at the same time i think he's really down with like let's make the weatherman kind of a fuck boy and like you know yeah. that way when he dies you're kind of like cool well, and that, also like, let's just characters... kill the grandma like or not the grandma but the old woman which i think is awesome that, that stuff is cool that. well it's like you know it would, if you're familiar with all of his movies up until that point you're like he's not afraid to kill kids so he could kill that kid mm-hmm. you know so it, so the stakes are kind of like raised it, it was raised for me because i was just like you kill that kid i don't know he's not afraid to, i've seen him kill kids in movies before yeah, he's not he'll, scared he'll fucking do it he'll fucking yeah. kill that kid but uh yeah and like i really like the design of the monsters aesthetically but also like their their design the design of their action and scenes is really cool like the scene where um, I forget the character's name escapes me, but the 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 radio woman, the disc jockey, uh, when she's oh, on top Stevie. of the light, Stevie, yes, mm-hmm. and when she's on top of the lighthouse and she's kind of getting cornered by two of the of the ghosts, pirate people, and like yeah. that's all really cool. All that's cool. Really it's works. a cool yeah. set. Like if you think about it from like a um, like a practical. Uh, observation of being like how would they shoot that they're obviously not putting adrian barbeau on top of a fucking lighthouse so you're like no. oh that's cool they just have like the roof and like a little bit of the bottom and then they're just like kind of rolling around up there and they she do force they do force perspective and it's cool yeah it's fucking neat yeah and but they even they get that sick bird eye shot like uh, super oh, yeah. above it too it's like that's really like cool how they yeah. figured that out you know it's the, it's a lot of it's it's talented people yeah. Uh, all working together and just like really being able to kind of pull off this like really neat movie. It's a neat I movie. also think it's like it's him probably have having a bunch of like uh like cinematic aesthetic choices that he's always wanted to make. I feel like he's like, I'm gonna do it in this movie. Like from the colors to like uh using force perspective or having like, you know, that that uh clock in the foreground or even like it feels like it's pulled out of Edgar Allan Poe, Poe book, like with the with the shadow against the wall, with the preacher in the beginning of the movie when they're like leaving that one scene. Like all that stuff is like, it's so cool, and I I don't think I've ever really seen other movies do that like practically before. Um, I I yeah, it's really cool. It's a really cool movie. It's it's just very like another cool good example of like what this guy can do with like very little. You know, even yeah. like even though it's like a very sizable uh shift in budget from dark star especially but even from assault on precinct 13 and halloween to this yeah you know you kind of start seeing what he can do and like in the next one like in escape from new york like that's when he really starts lifting off and he starts showing stuff that's just great also the score in the fog is it's good fucking great yeah. gotta love it it's score great. in uh in dark star we didn't talk about it but it's cool too that one song that he that like it's like yeah a country song i yeah. think yeah. And he made it like that's a really that that's a it's banger. cool it's cool yeah. man he's a uh, good at music John Carpenter hot take he is he is good at music he do synth good yeah you got uh you got anything else on uh, the old fog nah man I think uh, I think I got it all all out there rock and roll well uh, so we're gonna sign off for this one uh, next up we're gonna be doing Escape from New York and um uh, the thing the thing right yeah cool yes. So we'll be doing that. Uh, thank you for listening. As you know, because you signed up to be a member to listen to this podcast, we are not the only podcast on Story Screen. StoryScreenBeacon.com was a host to many podcasts, articles, and reviews. So you can go on that website and find things other than a really cool John Carpenter podcast. You could also buy a fucking t-shirt if you want, or you can get a tote bag, or you can a, get both. I'm not, a, I'm not a telling fucking, you to buy one. 
a fucking, fucking tote bag. You get a fucking tote bag. A fucking tote bag. You can get a you can get a cup, uh, a mug, as some call them. I like to call them cups because that's what they also are. Okay. Hot hot take on that. Um, okay. But yeah, so please go check out all of our stuff. Follow us on our various social medias, and most importantly, uh, talk to us because we like talking about movies. So mm-hmm. please do that. Uh, you got anything to plug, Mike? Or are you good? No, I'm good. Uh, keep your eye out for uh, you know we got our Halloween video dropped uh, since our last episode. Uh, Robbie and I worked out. on a really cool Halloween video all about John Carpenter uh, utilizing fear and dread and tension in Halloween. Um, and we're going to be doing another video uh, for this episode, so keep your eyes peeled for that because that's going to be dropping on on the exclusive feed as a part of your benefits uh, with uh, being a paying member and listening to this show. Uh, we're going to be doing that uh, exclusively from here on out. We dropped the Halloween one uh, publicly so everybody could check it out and see what they might be missing. But if you're listening to this, you're already one of the safe ones. So you're mm-hmm. going to get you're going to get that sweet, sweet video content. We'll be making videos uh, for the public one. But as far as the Carpenter based ones, we're going to be sticking those directly on our exclusive content for all our, our sweet, sweet, exclusive action. You heard it here first. All right. Well, Mike, thank you for joining me for this episode. Thank you, Robert. Thank you. Oh, anytime. And thank you guys for listening as per usual. We'll see you next time with more, you know, I was going to say hot takes. So that's not the name of the show. We'll see you more. We'll see you soon with more stocking. All right, guys. Peace. Peace.